Welcome to Politically Enraged, the Lefty's Refuge. Politically Enraged is a podcast purpose-built to discuss British and international disunity in political spaces, talk through ideas, introduce you to amazing people, and fight back against authoritarianism. My name is David Moo, I'm your host, and I hope you'll stick with us. Follow our Twitter at Political Rages, find us on Instagram and Coffee at Politically Enraged, and let's speak truth to power. Welcome to the podcast, Marina. It is a pleasure to finally speak to you, IRL, because I have, like, I literally used to stalk you on Twitter and, <laughs> uh, like, enthuse about you to my little political group. And then one day when I saw the little, is following you, I was like, ah! I went into the group and posted a screenshot. I was like, look, who's following me? Oh, you're joking. That's lovely. Thank you for that. Massage my ego. I mean, you know, tried to get to an end result here. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, do you like do you fancy explaining who you are and what you do so people know yeah, sure. I'm sure they already do so, <laughs> I am Marina Perkis and who am I I'm some person that just sort of shot to in like Twitter fame weirdly um by tweeting about the state of this country and the government that runs it um that's not my main job and no one pays me to have this agenda by the way this is just something I do out of the kindness of my own heart and the fact that it's something I've grown passionate about when I was not a politically passionate person at all like I couldn't have told you about six years ago I probably couldn't have told you like who the chancellor of the exchequer was like I, I knew nothing um but my main job as I've said to so the one I'm actually paid to do is I'm in marketing for uh, an awesome US tech firm whose name I won't mention just in case um, but that's my full-time gig and then when I'm not doing that I'm basically just buried in the news or falling down rabbit holes of just the chaos and the undermining of law and democracy and all sorts of other crap that is just going on in this country that so many people seem to be oblivious about and it's like my mission to make them aware. Yes, that sounds very familiar. I do love, by the way, I love it when people are like, who's paying you to say this? And I'm like, no one, I wish they were. Do you know like, do you know how expensive my rent is? And I do I this know. because someone, I care. Someone, actually, um, someone thought or someone made the ridiculous con- or reached the ridiculous conclusion that I wasn't one person. I was a team of people operating behind <laughs> this name and that Marina Perth didn't actually exist. Um, and I never post pictures of myself. Like I just, I, I don't know, I just think it's irrelevant to my content. So I did, I posted a picture with some, I was sent some political biscuits. That sounds weird, but some, anyway. Um, and I was like, oh, I posted a picture. Uh, just saying like, this is me, I'm an actual person. But it's just nuts that I had that, I, I did that because it kept coming up. People like, no, she's a, she's a, she's an organization. She's a think tank, she's whatever. So odd. No, I'm just me. Yeah, I, I do occasionally get the same thing. I got, especially like when things were really bad during the, you know, the last lockdown that we had. And I did a lot of like, please keep safe. My, my sign off for all of my videos was um, stay safe, get vaccinated and fuck the Tories. And mm. so many people were like, oh like here's a conspiracy theory about who's giving you money to say these lines and i'm like no i'm just a person that likes catchphrases you you all believe build back better you all believe all of that (laughs) other nonsense how about i'm allowed a catchphrase you weirdos (laughs) i know catchphrases clearly work in this country so i think we should all have a catchphrase mind you i'm not not feeling keir starmer's catchphrase of um make brexit work i don't know about you david but that's doing my head in every time i hear it 
I there is no way to make Brexit work. I like I had no. Femi on actually, and he spoke really eloquently about Brexit. And it's given me a very different perspective that I had before, which is just that people voted Brexit because they are bad people. And I'm trying to kind of broaden out of that now. And I realised that I think quite a lot of people voted for Brexit. They didn't vote for Brexit. They voted against the status quo because they'd been mm -hmm. told that the EU was their wars. And then I think once once people have realized that life is still crap outside of the eu maybe it's not the eu that was the source of all our problems and maybe it's the guy who's sat in the director's chair going <laughs> i so hope you're right but we are how many years down the line now i exactly. still don't know if it's clicking and also don't you think it's nuts that when you look back at what was promised i can't believe it was just 4852 like with all the stuff like it was it was a paradise was promised everything mm -hmm. you could have ever hoped and dreamed for every problem you've had in your life anything you didn't like it was going to be it was going to be solved by brexiting and it exactly. all turned out to be total bollocks i mean nothing surprises me i mean just just focusing on catchphrases for a second because obviously get brexit done was a good catchphrase i think i think the catchphrase du jour of the day has to be uh <laughs> the party of law and order considering the stuff that's happening on twitter as we're speaking <laughs> i know so literally again it's hard to work when this comes through like guardian um notification just pops up on your phone you're like you're joking sunak mm -hmm. and the prime minister have been fined by the met police for attending illegal party or parties we don't know that detail yet this is nuts by the way part of me like one percent of me feels a tiny bit sorry for Sunak like what a shitter of a week he is having <laughs> Two weeks, uh, even. he must be sat there with rolls of tens and hundreds just dabbing away at his little face <laughs> honestly what a nightmare for him especially like Mr Squeaky Clean Persona like how often was he trotted out on the news to be like hello I'm nice Mr Sunak and I believe Mr Johnson and I'm like I even said um yesterday in a video i even said this is the price that you pay for selling your soul to the devil because um if you read peter Orban's book sunak was one of the first people that got trotted out to um explain the delay in the release of the russia report and that was that was the first kind of time i remember him and i, I was like according to all the statutes it should be released so what are you talking about like there is there is no like final sign off it's done mm -hmm. and so you know even from that i just look at sunak and i'm like you can call yourself honest and principled all you want but you have been rowing this boat down that river for a long time and it looks yeah. like you're finally at that waterfall my friend oh my gosh the fall from dishy rishi the smooth operator to what he is now fishy rishi and his tax avoiding missy <laughs> i mean that is the, a fall from grace that i've been quite enjoying watching actually and to see this as well I did literally just tweet this moments ago but it's because of the company he keeps and if you consort with pigs eventually you get covered in their shit and that is where he is now I just mm. think any hopes that he had for PM if this country has any credibility or dignity left those hopes should be out the window both of them should be out of a job by this afternoon you'd hope I mean I've seen um you know Jonathan Liss has said that he he, like the the same thing to do is to urgently recall parliament and demand the resignation i don't think that will happen i'm sure somewhere you know some spin doctors are sat in a room conferring with them quietly about you know 
Oh, well, when we said he told the truth to the best of his ability, what we meant is that he is functionally unable to tell the truth. And so <laughs> that was actually honesty, if you think about it. Like, I can see it all coming, and I know that what's going to come is going to annoy me. But just for this moment right now, when we're seeing the truth and the totality of it, I'm like, please, please, please let this be the end of the just the, the nightmare that has been like from... I mean, it's obviously longer than them, but from 2019 in particular till now, please let this be the end. I know, but I do, do you know what? So, so there's also, we've got to prepare ourselves for another line, which is um, uh, Jacob Rees Mogg has already been floating, which is the line that it's all faff, like it, it shouldn't, it, it, these were inhumane laws. I don't know if you saw him when he was talking about that, like trying to, what, he, what was the word he used to, 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 to dismiss? I can't remember now, but he tried to downplay the breaking of the, the, the rules relative to what was going on in Ukraine. Then the other thing just to bear in mind is if they do go, like mini celebration, yay. And then who comes in? Trusts. Because she's just a Tufton Street puppet. So things aren't going to change. Like, don't get me wrong, it'll probably be more pleasant in terms of not having that oath leading us lying all the time. But she's just another type of liar. She is, a, she is, if it, it's so strange because if you see the transition from who she was when she was, you know, a Remainer and she was campaigning for Remain and she would stand on the stage and she would talk from her, I don't know, from a different place from where she talks now. I don't want to say her heart, it sounds a bit softy, but she would talk genuinely about the benefits about staying in EU and she had something about her then. Now, you see, she is her face is devoid of emotion. She is this stonewalled person. She's not like Theresa May, she's actually worse than that. There is no, you can have no connection with her. And that's what you've got to do. A bit like Dory's with that car crash interview. Do you remember on um, BBC where she wouldn't say if she had spoken to the PBM? Because when you are lying and lying and lying, you can only maintain this stonewalled defense. And that's why you can't even get through to these people anymore. They're so defensive. I think that's the question now really as well like where do we go from here because there's there's a few possible outcomes which is they stay despite the fact that we know that they are literal criminals like that's an indisputable fact they are literal criminals now and that means that we're ruled by people that is disgraceful or mm -hmm. they go and they're replaced by other figureheads who continue to make the same mistakes who don't listen to the public who continue to drive us further down this weird path of no money no liberty or the thing that worries me is, you know, I speak to a lot of people who are, you know, I would credit them with being very far left. And I don't like the kind of like, oh, we need civil upheaval because I'm frightened for what happens, what, what comes with that. Because there's so many people that will suffer and especially in a country that's already struggling with money. But I see very, very few options. And I guess I'm, I'm wondering what the hell are we going to do next? Because I honestly don't know anymore. So I feel just as despairing as you, I suppose I have a little bit of hope, which is we've got um, the um, local elections coming up soon and then general election. And I think this is where we might see a flicker of hope if we start to see people like we've seen in some of the constituencies where there have been some, you know, quite surprising Tory DC things because people have voted tactically. They have, they've seen like, we have to look, small term pain here, for long-term gain like we can't vote who we want to vote for like who would I vote for and I could make maybe green right now because I think green is such a huge huge pressing thing at the moment am I going to vote green no because there is no point with this first past the post thing so I think if people can be strategic enough and figure out 
that who the best person to vote for in your constituency to vote to de-seat the Tory is, do that. Get the Tory out and let's get a coalition government in. I know no one likes a coalition government, but Jesus Christ, it, it leads to open debate. And it just means we haven't got this 80 seat majority led by Boris Johnson and his team of sycophants who are currently dismantling our democracy. And people don't even know about it. People, mm -hmm. people, your right to protest. So if you want to go out and vote, protest, the fact that we are on the brink, we're not even on the brink, we're in it now. It's going to start to hit uh, of this cost of living crisis. You want to go out and protest about it. If you're deemed annoying, annoying you could find yourself in prison like this these are the laws that, 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 that the government is pushing through they've just just last week the house of lords approved the motion to um expand first past the post to mayoral elections even the police and commissioner elections first past the post is a rigged system it, it just gives the tories power all the time what we want is proportional representation anyway i am going off at a tangent but my point is that is our only life belt that I can see because, and this is the thing as well, like how many petitions do you get sent or asked to sign? And I, I, I get like shed loads and I try, like I really do. But after seeing so many petitions and signing so many and getting like dud responses from the government that just palm you off, after seeing the march in London for the people's vote, which was huge, and knowing that had zero impact, I have completely lost faith in petitions and in marching. Not, not telling line, not completely, because I do know that they do sometimes lead to great things. But I think our only life belt here is tactical voting at the next elections. Yeah, I agree, and I think that the importance of that can't be lost. I think that the thing is, I'm more than willing to sit and listen to other people's ideas. But it's like I said, for me. We should be aiming for the least radical and the most radical should obviously be a last resort whereas i think a lot of people are so annoyed that they're looking at the most radical as the most viable option that's just not the case yeah. and i think you can't talk about civil upheaval at all because they are going to they they are working on bringing in um you know the the anti-protest bill pray okay. patel's dragged it back out in parliament again and all you do is justify that action by immediately talking about you know doing like protesting in in the senses that are going to validate what she's saying that protest is and can be dangerous but when it comes to certain other aspects of of what we're looking at whilst i understand I, I just feel like a lot of people don't get that politics is a long game as annoying as it is you know and it's like you said you know voting green um i think a lot of major parties have adopted green policy i think the only ones that you can trust to really adhere to those green policies are the greens because the tories have already let themselves down with some of their yeah. targets for for going green um but there's a coalition government like you said would lead to a much healthier system and actual open debate whereas at the moment it's just this this facile system i don't like and one of the things that i've actually given up doing which i was really obsessed with doing was watching or at least catching up on uh, PMQs because I can't because it's just this sort of this childish back and forth between two people and I you know I don't love Keir Starmer but I don't hate him but the point scoring thing at first I was like yes you tell him and now I'm like if it doesn't shame him or make him regret or you know lead to a change in policy or a change in position or something this is just watching two adult men Exactly. With each other. exactly. I've thought the same thing and I've stopped watching it for that reason. What is the point? Also, if they can lie in Parliament with impunity, which they do now all the time, 
that renders Prime Minister's questions a complete farce, a complete waste of time. There is no point me tuning in. If they can lie, Pretty Patel and Boris Johnson stood up and lied recently. I mean, they lie all the time, but this is one that sticks out about crime dropping. That the, 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 the their Tory government had presided over dropping crime rates. They had dropped by fourteen percent. They then had to be fact checked, corrected. I think even the BBC desk correct them to say it had risen by fourteen percent. And the, all, all that they had done, what they done, they'd taken out fraud. They just mm -hmm. decided that we would take out fraud from the crime figures and get to the figure we like, and that's the one we talk about. And then wasn't it wasn't it James Cleverly who went on TV the next for the very next day and said, "Well, I don't think people particularly care about fraud." And it's like, yeah, victims of fraud care about it. You freak! Is a victimless crime? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. He is. He's another one. Although he was the one. He's brilliant at straw man, straw men arguments that fall to pieces, um, because he came out with that. Was it about Rishi Sunak's wife being a non-dom? So James yeah. Cleverly. Um, said something like, I thought we were past the day, he tweeted, I thought we were past the days of a wife being an extension of her husband or something of, you know, like that, which is completely not the issue here. And also we are completely past that, but we're not past it when the wife is married to the man who shapes our tax policies so that she can loophole her way out of them. Like it's just bananas. And if you're gonna pretend, like this is the thing, he knows this but they treat the public with such contempt. They are so stupid that they're not going to know this. And this is just, oh, it's insulting and these people defend them. I'm listening to LBC. I mean, I try not to listen to Nick Ferrari because one, I hate his opinions and two, I can't bear his heavy breathing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's basically like, he's in the this whole, this whole, um, call-in session about about you know is it right that a woman should be an extension of that that's not what we're discussing here and you've got people calling in to try and defend like well they've done nothing wrong he's you know he's what he's done is perfectly legal so I'm quite looking forward to seeing what those people say now the what he did during the parties was perfectly illegal I feel like those people you know like I, I've sort of gone down this this rabbit hole online of trying to have what I'll term as reasoned debate with people that have opinions contrary to mine. And it's so weird because I just never thought that I would get to the point with adults, with adult human beings, and I would go to them and go, okay, you've said this, but here is two different journals that, that completely oppose what you've said, which has been fact-checked by intelligent people and scientists and blah, blah, blah. And um, who was it? Cthulhu face. Um, Michael Gove, he said, uh, oh, everyone's sick of experts. And it's literally true because these people, you'll be like, here is something that proves you wrong. And they're like, don't believe it. And it's like, what do you mean you don't believe it? This isn't like me and you conjecturing over something. This is scientists who've studied it and have said, or like, you know, people that studied politics their whole life coming out with, that is not true. You can't, this isn't like a, a, you can't not believe it. This is literally factually, you are wrong. I'm going to compare it to someone who has been told, this has happened, you know, in life, someone close to me or has been told that their partner is cheating on them. There is evidence. It is here. You can see it. And they, despite the evidence of their eyes and ears, will not believe it because it is too it's too big a thing for them to believe. It's too hard for them to get their head around. And it changes a bit like a bit like if you were to change, if you were to accept that the Tories have been lying this whole time, that Brexit is bullshit. 
and you've been waving that flag it's formed part of your identity so you can't just go oh no you're right actually no, they are awful because just like you can't go oh you're right he is cheating on me because it crushes everything that you think you are or your world has been and everything you believe for god knows how long so this is why it's so huge for people and this is why when we talk to people as difficult as, as it can be who are have different arguments to us we have to do it in a way that's diplomatic and arms open and welcoming and not patronizing because i see so many of my followers and you know the vast majority of them are a wonderful bunch I don't know if calling people stupid, if, call, if, if calling people brothers just stupid is going to help, or calling Tory voters stupid is going to help. I mean, sometimes I've done it as well, I'm sure, because I can't help myself, especially now. Like a Tory voter now, like, what the fuck are you thinking? But I think you just have to manage the way in which we talk to people about this, if we're going to bring anyone over to our side. I think that's the thing, and I think that that is the approach that we do need to take. There is nothing wrong with calling someone out if they will double down on stupidity, because that's the problem I have. Like, it's this coddling approach of like, I'm just going to believe the lies because it's easier. No, be an adult. You did something wrong. Like, admit that you did something wrong. That's the, you know, mature thing to do. But when it comes to actually reaching out, you know, yesterday, um, I got tagged by this really weird account who was like, oh, you know, you jobless Labour voters complaining, blah, blah, blah. And I went into the comments, it's just this diatribe of like, you know, you slag people off and we did this oh. and we did that. And I just responded with like, just block me, love. Like, if, if you don't like what yeah. I say, I'm not making a platform and saying you must listen to me and I am 100% right about everything. I am literally like, hello, I don't like this government. I'm going to speak plainly about that. I'm going to give you some things that are objective. They're, they're not like, they might be coloured from the perspective of a lefty but they are objectively true. If you don't like that, that's fine. Go and listen to other right-wingers. That's not a problem. You can do that. But if you get so offended that you will create an anonymous account to try and bother me, all I'm going to do is go, clearly I'm doing something right. Absolutely, absolutely. When, when people, I think you've got to also remember is that when a politician or, actually, let's look at the example of Roman Abramovich, right? If you can let someone or give permission to someone to celebrate their team seeing amazing success or if you give them permission to someone to be a little bit more racist when they like in their country or say actually no we don't want immigrants here and you know attack the people who are woke people will forget forgive all kinds of sins look at those people did you see the chelsea supporters that was for me a real low point yeah. in terms of humanity che cheering um like chanting roman's name but when he'd been um after he'd chosen to leave, leave the club that for me was just like this this shows you what we're up against this these are people and i don't know if it's again blind loyalty blind stupidity ignorance i've got no idea a combination of all three but they will pledge their allegiance to roman abramovich no matter what because he brought them success through their team and some joy at the weekend. It's just insane. And you try and sort of have civil discourse with them and go, well, what, what do you get out of it? Like, what, like, what is that? What is in it for you? And for them, it's this shiny badge of we voted for the winning team. We voted yeah. for the football team that do well. We voted for the people that are in government. And it's like, great, but it's against your interests. That football team, like, what do they do for you other than that you can talk about them with your mates which you could do whether they win or lo lose or whatever and you talk about your opposing teams anyway but with the government 
you are literally voting for and condoning the death of your own self-interest. Like, mm -hmm. these people do not care about you as an individual, about your needs or wants. And, you know, I, there was so much stuff when the tax stuff with Sunak came out that confused the hell out of me because people were like, oh, well, he's not, he's not a bad person and, and we need to stop, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone super rich running the treasury. And it was like, I pointed out the simple fact of who do you think is better at budgeting? Someone that will literally never run out of money or someone that has to make every last copper count, every last one, who is better at budgeting? And therefore, all right, I'm sure he's wondrous with maths and all of those things. And I'm not saying that, you know, a poor person would do better as the Chancellor of the Exchequer. But what I'm saying is, there's a median ground where we don't have to have someone whose net worth is 4.6 billion in charge of our money, because mm -hmm. clearly the guy doesn't know what he's doing with it. Speaking of 4.6 billion, he wrote 4.6 billion of bloody COVID fraud off. Well, that's exactly. taxpayer money we're never going to see again. So exactly. Also, so that's the thing, with, with that discussion about can a rich person, mega rich person, like can and should they be you know people governing us I, I didn't know when I first thought about that I was like you know what? no of course I don't think anyone should be precluded from politics based on how much money they have but what it makes you question is why on earth is someone with his insane wealth and his wife's wealth interested in a job that pays what 150k a year that is to use Boris's term chicken feed for him he could he could have stayed in banking and made that probably in a couple of days, right? Mm -hmm. Or not? That's probably an exaggeration, but in a month, like there is there is absolutely no need for a person to for him to be calling the shots and deciding, <laughs> you know, who eats and who doesn't. And that's I think the the darker side of politics, which again so many people just don't know about. I used to think people got into politics again until recently, until probably my thirties. Um, I used to think people got into politics because they wanted to make things better right I genuinely thought that like what an idiot and now I realize people get into politics because they, they get to raid the public purse look at the VIP lane for PPE and things like that raid the public purse and shape policy and laws to benefit themselves so yes you can argue that what Sunak and or his wife did whatever were perfectly legal but who makes the laws they make the laws so, of course, they're going to benefit from them. They were going to rewrite the whole rule book for Owen Patterson when he was found to be corrupt. They were going to rewrite the rule book and they're in a position to so that corruption was basically fine and legal and, you know, allowed. And the only reason they didn't is because there was massive uproar. But that should give you some indication of the fact that these people make the laws. They're going to make them to suit them. And that's the problem. And the best thing about the Owen Patterson scandal is this massive uproar came out. And they were like, we're going to crack down on this. And then predictably, it was a couple of weeks ago that the headline came out that they dropped any interest in pursuing uh, uh, firming up of the rules about what jobs MPs can hold as secondary posts and stuff. And it's just disgraceful. But I don't, I don't know how it is that you reach out to the common person and say... Because there's this like really pervasive attitude and it's the thing that like genuinely like makes my skin crawl when people would be like they're all the same, that's just the way it is, or that's how politics works or whatever, because why? Like, that's the question I always have for those people now. Why? Tell me why. Justify that to me. Tell me why we must accept this as a system, because as far as I am concerned, accepting it is tantamount to endorsing it. Like, 
-hmm. even something as small as making regular videos or blog posts or whatever it is that you do, whatever you choose to do to voice your displeasure is an extremely radical act speaking out against a government that seeks to just absolutely encapsulate itself in, in power and corruption. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I don't know what, I mean, I do know the whole, um, they're all the same line does piss me off something chronic because I appreciate there's probably lying on both sides, but can we just appreciate the scale of lying that's gone on? The huge lie that was Brexit got them into power and then they consist like consistently, continuously lie, even now they're in power and their manifesto. How many pledges have they broken now of their manifesto? Which just again, what this ends up doing is it makes manifestos pointless. Like it doesn't matter. I could literally promise free puppies in a manifesto. And it doesn't matter if if I do or not. There is there is nothing to hold me to account. We hold advertisers of cat food to a higher account than we do our politicians that, that pr make promises about our welfare, which is nuts, exactly. absolutely nuts. Exactly. And I think that's one of the really scary things that came with Brexit. You know, they were talking about chlorinated chicken and all of that, but that to me was the tip of the iceberg. It was about... The, the fundamentals of the rules that were around import export and the goods that we get in you know we mm. anyone with common sense could have seen that we were going to end up facing 27 countries who were like we could take you for a ride but also we had to make deals and whilst we have we've always had a strong economy we had to look at what we were going to be giving back as well as what we were getting mm -hmm. and people just didn't seem to do that and i was just going this is not going to end well and lo and behold Lo and behold, and people still don't accept it though. People still think now they're churning out longer lead times that we're not waiting enough. I think that was um, David Frost's most recent line in his Telegraph article, which just I can't believe this guy. This is the thing as well the the self confidence and the conviction of these people after the complete mess they've made. Like he was in his mess, his deal that he negotiated, he now criticizes it as if it wasn't his, his deal. That's you, you did that. And making every excuse under the sun. Um, oh, David Frost is just another one. But with the people we have got, you've got to bear in mind as well, the reason we're in this dire state now is that people we've got governing us are not there because of their competence and suitability, suitability to the role. They are there because of their blind loyalty to Boris Johnson and Brexit which are Brexit. So again, Sunak, Sunak backed Brexit. We're supposed to believe this guy is some sort of economic financial wizard, right? He's not. He might have been good at like gaming, you know, the, the banking market once upon a time, but he's not good at what he's doing. He backed a policy that saw our GDP slashed by 4%. Bear in mind, global pandemic slashed it by 2%. Like everyone that backed Brexit Backed one of the worst policies ever for a country. We imposed economic sanctions on ourselves. And if you look at our recovery compared to other G7 countries, other EU countries, we are way down the list. And that's why exactly. we're suffering now, because and this is why we're seeing huge inflation as well, because costs are rising, productivity isn't. Our exports are dropping. And that's why we're seeing these ridiculous inflation costs on top of everything else. And what's the government doing to help people? nothing like my husband and i we both we do all right and we are we've actually said we're going to need to sit down and just talk about stuff because nursery fees have gone up water's going up energy's going up food's going up petrol's going up but like everything is going up and our salaries aren't really going up so or, or that nowhere near what everything else is going up and that's us 
we're okay. Like we're what we we're fairly lucky, right? Social mobility has helped us. You know, we're, we were both working class and we've got to a, a good place in life. But what about everyone else that didn't? I, I really genuinely fear for them because you can't magic money out of nowhere. And this is this is this is about eating food. This is about a clothes on your back and a roof over your head. And I'm really scared for what's going to happen. Me too. I think the really scary thing about like life going up in cost is just that it's like you said wages don't go up but it isn't just about that as well because i don't need higher remuneration i am happy to pay whatever i need to pay in my tax for for things to work well i if if kids are getting educated well fine that is a worthy cost on tax if hospitals are you know good like up-to-date equipment in and out flow things like that fine the issue that i have is what what where the fuck is all this money going because at the minute you've got like Mm -hmm. As I said, I've worked for a decade in medical supply and part of me left at it because it felt like a bit of an exploitative kind of a job in the end, you know, where I was getting money from from charging people to book staff in the NHS. But a big part of it was I just couldn't cope anymore with just seeing the, the like knackered NHS staff and being abused by people because they were literally exhausted and just hearing horror stories about how bad things are on the daily in in the hospital and i saw it myself when i had covid and i went and like i got stuck in this tiny little isolation room thank goodness because they realized very quickly what it was uh but it took nine hours for them to give me an injection to make sure i didn't die um and then send me away you know um and so i just the way i always look at it is like um if my tax money fixes the pothole at the end of the road, that's great. What's happening right now is not only is the pothole not fixed, but that money's not in my pocket so I can fix my car every time I break it on the fucking pothole. And it's like, this isn't a society that works for the people that live in it. How is it our taxes continue to rise from our low tax, you know, being under a low tax Tory government? And yet, to your point, our public services have only gone one way. Like you say, NHS is absolutely knackered. Did you see the report? I think it was in the Sunday Times. can't remember. I might be wrong. That basically ambulance waiting times now are causing, was it 5,000 deaths? This is this is what I mean, though. This is it, it translates to deaths. I am I've got parents who are of a certain age now. I genuinely fear for if anything ever happens. You know, you worry about getting that phone call like, blindsides you which i'm sure we've all had something like this and you on a wednesday morning at 8 20 and it changes everything i'm so scared that one day they are going to need to call for an ambulance and there is not going to be one that comes to them in time because this is what we're seeing now or if they get to one in time they're then stuck outside the hospital and they can't get in or they get inside and there aren't aren't enough people to see them because this shit is happening now and our taxes are going up but it's all about how they spend it right and then also schools I've got friends who are teachers they are just being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed one of them bear in mind in in real terms their pay is not going up um they are now expected to I think they're trying to put longer hours in I think that was what's his name what's his name education secretary Nadeem Sahawi was putting that in Uh, work longer hours fine pay them for that also, you've got teachers who are out the kinds of their hearts, because these are the people that go into these jobs, right? These people are better than me. Nurses, teachers, they are better than me. They go into these jobs not to make a fortune. They go into these jobs because it's vocational. They want to do the right thing. They want to help people. They want to grow young minds. And these teachers, as a result, I know one that was messaging me on Twitter, and she is spending what little of her disposable income she has left 
to bring in bread so she can just like give the kids something in the morning that comes to come to school with nothing in their bellies like it is nuts and also people it's not about you know we'd love to paint well not we but you know the government and the right wing press love to paint a picture of the bone idol you know that they're uh, they're not working and that's why they need universal credit the majority of people on universal credit are in employment this tells you that our system is fucked right and the re- and one of the reasons it is is because and, and and tories are only pushing for more of this it's deregulation deregulation of workers rights pay conditions etc so you work for longer you won't be paid for it overtime tough shit it's part of being you know part of the workforce people don't realize this shouldn't be happening you should be left you should you shouldn't be on the breadline when you are in full-time employment something is not working and it's not working because government is completely incompetent and only focused on using their positions of power to enrich themselves and their ilk Look at look at the look at that thirty seven billion test drug and trace. I always say like this is I still can't believe the scandal of this is. I don't think people can put their heads wrap their heads around how much money that is and how much that would have helped. Now, that was the most egregious transfer of wealth from the ordinary taxpayer to the already mega wealthy. And yet, people like that. Sorry, gone. Well, the other thing that bothers me about Track and Trace is it could have been a really useful, incredibly useful, viable system. We know other countries have done it for cheaper, whatever. Let's park that and say we spent $37 billion, but it was the best Track and Trace in the world. And it caught everything straight away and massively reduced infection rates and massively reduced the severity because we were catching it. It did nothing. It did absolutely nothing. And the worst thing is they put it in the hands of Dido Harding. And there's so many things wrong with that. Number one, when she worked for Talk Talk, she was responsible for the loss of a massive load of confidential data for people that were Talk Talk customers. Number two, you can't complain about the fact that she had vested interest because her husband sits on the fucking bench for the ethics committee. And it's like He's our, he's our anti-corruption star. He's our anti-corruption yeah. star. Can you imagine that? Three, by the way, Davey. Three, her appointment was found by the High Court to have been unlawful. She was appointed to that role because she was pals with Matt Hancock. They both serve and sit on the jockey club board or whatever it is. She was put in that role unlawfully. And look at the money she oversaw. Look at those eye-watering. Literally makes me feel sick. I think part of it is I wish I was in on the action. (laughs) But genuinely, eye-watering sums she authorised and oversaw and she was unlawfully in that role. It was, there's just so many issues with it, top to the bottom, you know, like, and I think that there comes a point where it almost becomes beyond parody, where you almost want to ask yourself, like, am I, like, am I just crazy? You know, do I sit here and talk about this stuff and it just, like, how can it be this systemic and this bad? But it is. And, you know, it's like you said about the teachers, because it's, it's a funny point that you brought up when you said about the teachers doing what they do out of the goodness of the heart, which is very true. Um, and, you know, I have huge admiration for teachers, for nurses, especially doctors, anyone in, in that kind of role. But I think it never it gets overlooked a lot how much it can take out of you just doing what we do, which is speaking truth to power. Because, like you said, you know, as much as I, I really want to ingratiate a lot of people that may have made the mistake of voting for these people and everything, some of them are so willing to go to bat for them that they will literally abuse you. And I just, I, I just kind of want to sit with those people and go, 
I don't really understand what it is that you get out of this. I don't know why you think attacking me is is productive, helpful, does anything good for you. But I, I am literally on your side, sir. You know, I, I'm I'm not the one taking money out of your pocket. I'm not the one who's circumventing laws that, that that are in place. I'm not the one who's, you know, pretending there's no racism problem in the UK when the racism report was literally doctored. People that was people whose names were on that report literally came out and went I literally haven't even been consulted by Downing Street. So by all means, be angry. But why are you angry at me for telling you about it? Well, that will be down also to, you know, the the content they consume, sadly. And what what is the right-wing press? What does the right-wing media do? It makes people angry. It stokes stuff inside them, where that's, you know, Deborah down the road with her four kids on benefits and her flat screen TV or you know the immigrants immigrants coming in stealing your jobs and or tax avoiding or whatever but it's okay it depends who tax avoids um or you know with some sort of culture war and uh, tearing down statues of people that literally created genocide of entire you know groups of people like it's just like they are stoking so much anger here there and everywhere just so that these people are so angry and we're all down here bickering amongst ourselves, the left versus the right, the woke versus the non-woke. All the while, we're not paying attention to what's going on up there, which is they are absolutely taking us for fools, rigging the electoral system, undermining democracy, raiding the public purse, raising our taxes. They are doing absolutely nothing to benefit us, killing off the NHS, killing off us, killing off people while they're doing that. I just wish more people could see it. And honestly, like you said, actually, David, it does take its toll. Like, don't get me wrong, sometimes I find this whole saga, it's like entertainment. Like, it's better than any Keeping Up With The Kardashians episode, which, by the way, I've never watched a single episode of. But for me, I'm like, how can you not? Like, how can the average Joe not find this shit so enthralling? This is real life. And also, what they do, this is not a reality TV show, because what they do, it impacts you <laughs> and it impacts your pocket. Um, and I just find it nuts that people don't, you know, even like my own family, my sister, like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know anything. She's 10 years old with me. She's not interested. Her life is her life and that happens over there. How do you get through to people and how do you engage with them? Because I think it's honestly, it's, it's, it's too big for people to get their heads around. If you look at us, David, how much of your time is spent thinking about this? I, I, I wake up in the night and I check my phone to see if there's any breaking news. And uh, the first thing I do is I go through all the news apps in the morning um when i'm on a break like i have little breaks at work because i don't like staring at a screen all day i'm straight on the news which means staring at the screen ironically yeah um i go on my lunch i check the news i usually make a video about things that i've seen throughout the day um i make notes i read myriad books about politics and about you know um systemic racism about the lgbt plus history um women's rights I like literally it's I, I say it all the time it's eaten my life and I don't for a second regret that but it is it's also just like exhausting and I have friends sometimes who say you know well what what do you think will happen after like what do you think will happen when the Tories are out this isn't a cat that's going back in the bag it doesn't matter who's in power for the rest of my life I will hold them to account because I've realized how bone deep politics runs through our life and nobody's ever going to take advantage of us again while I while I have breath in my body, you know. I totally agree with you. I know this is why when people say, um, you know, when you get someone like Gary Lineker 
you know, voicing his opinion or Gary Neville or any other Gary for that matter. And people say, you know, stay out of politics. I think it's the most bizarre, bizarre comment you can make. I was at a family barbecue and um, a distant, actually, he's not family. He does not. <laughs> so I don't want to relate him to my family, but he, um, he basically started saying he didn't like the, uh, the England football team. It was at the time of the World Cup. And I was like, why? What do you mean? And he, he basically said he didn't like Marcus Rashford. And I said, well, why? He said, well, he's just too much of a, you know, get, he's too involved in other things. He's, um, you know, he's, he's into all politics. He should stay out of politics, focus on football. And I said, are you crazy? I said, you're, um, you're a mechanic. Should I say to you that you should stay out of politics and focus on cars? Politics is for every single one of us. It's not for politicians. It's for us. It's more for us than it is for them. Like, so that comment to stay out, stay out of politics is just the most ridiculous comment I ever hear from people. And it just makes me think they don't understand. And I wish that civic duty and politics was something that was part of the national curriculum, part of something that was taught at school, rather than something that people just studied at Cambridge and Oxford on their pathway to governing us. I had a really interesting conversation with a guy from Vietnam uh, last year, and he said, like that like he was like your british politics is insane and i was like i know but why and he said um we would never have a health minister in who hadn't worked in a hospital we would never have an education secretary in that hadn't worked in a school we would never have a chancellor who well i mean we would have no chancellor that's a banker but you know what i mean i was like i know this is what's so insane it's these mm. people don't have stakes in what they're discussing it's, politics is theoretics to them we've seen that you know and if you look at, for example, the, the fines that are coming out of Downing Street, which should hopefully result in in serious action, uh, but I, you know, unfortunately, like you said, I doubt that they will. Um, what, what's a fifty pound fine to someone like Rishi Sunak? <laughs> I mean, you've got to hope, obviously, the um, the PR costs, the reputational costs are going to be much bigger. But just mm. going back to that about them not having a stake. These aren't ex these aren't experts. So they are they're appointed in this role, and the way I suppose it's supposed to work is that they have a team of experts around them, underneath them, and they are guided by them. But they're not. So, for example, like Fermi touched upon this again. Like you say, he talked brilliantly about things like Brexit. But if the OBR is predicting that Brexit is going to continue to cause colossal losses to this country, continue to hammer GDP, and then you've got the likes of Sunak or or, or Boris Johnson, who when interviewed just says, well, I uh, I dispute that or I don't agree with that or it's not for you to agree with. This is these are your team of experts informing you to Fermi's point. <laughs> Boris Johnson studied poetry. He might be an expert in poetry. Doubt it. But he's not an expert in economics. He's not an expert in what the OBR experts are expert in. So I don't care what you think or feel. I care what the experts think. And this is where, again, where like I've heard, so there might be a reshuffle potentially. That could be one of the roots of what happens after Senate's um, tax issue. That was before, obviously, Partygate. But right. I heard that he might be demoted um, and might become, might sit into another role. Potentially, did I hear Foreign Secretary, little swap, job swap with Liz Truss? Oh, <laughs> How on earth is he going to be equipped to sit in that role? Less equipped than he was in this role. And trust pork, Liz Pork Markets Trust going into chancellor role i just it's just really this the smallest cesspool of zero talent is governing us and they are just swirling around the drain hole it's awful 
It does remind me of something that, like, I, like my mouth fills with bile to quote him. But, you know, when Donald Trump said, drain the swamp, I don't think that he, in, in his iteration, or us in this iteration, realised that when these right-wing pundits are talking about draining the swamp, the only way that they can do that is ultimately to resign, because they are. They are the swamp. They're the foundation of it. They're the reeds that clog up democracy and justice. And there's only one way to, to deal with that, and that is to, to get rid of them, because they're they're the ones that cause the problems and then but we can't David, we can't you know what has happened with this government is it has exposed how vulnerable our government our constitution our polit political system is to bad actors crooks criminals because there is absolutely nothing unfortunately the queen is is a ceremonial head of state right she can do fuck all of course she she does intervene when it involves you know tax laws or land laws that have impacted her mm. which is very very nice of her but um she can do nothing. So as we're seeing now, every time Boris Johnson is found to have broken the law in today's case or broken ministerial conduct, which he does on a weekly, daily basis, who the person that decides whether he should resign or not, or any other minister should resign or not, is Boris Johnson. And so far, our, our unwritten constitution has relied on this good chap's code, this good chap's code of conduct. And it's proven that if you don't have any good chaps in there, it, it breaks. And all that's happening now, and as we're seeing in these, these key roles that are being recruited for, the head of the civil service, um, the commissioner, the, uh, you know, Lord Gite, for example, Lord Gite, or I liked this on Twitter, Lord Whitewash. I quite like that. He, um, these are people that are all the people that are being put on the board of BBC. Like, these are people that are Tory sympathisers, Tories themselves, previous Tory candidates, and they're only going to skew things in one way. And there is absolutely nothing to stop the current Tory government doing this and rigging it and causing so much damage. And I actually feel sorry for whatever party or coalition comes in next, because think of this shit they're going to have to put right. I have a theory that is like partially just grounded in fantasy, but I genuinely believe that the Tories are going to go nuclear and just absolutely wipe everything across the map be trounced in the next election, watch from the back rows for the next five years as whatever unfortunate coalition or majority gets in and just they'll they'll be clawing tooth and nail to try and get things sorted out. And then when election time rolls around, the Tories will be like, well, remember when we were in power, things weren't great, but it was a hell of a lot better than this. Yeah. And nobody, because of respectability politics and the absolute nonsensory of it, no one will just say, everything that we're dealing with is still echoes because of you because everybody now is sick and tired of hearing the Tories say well 12 years ago when Labour I know I am you know Dominic Raab blamed um blamed a Labour government for something the other day and honestly I just I wish that I'd been sat in the audience because I would have shouted out you have been in power for 12 years it's just they, like they blamed it when they released their um you know their energy um plan they basically said you know labor have left us um you know with no uh, uh with a complete reliance on fossil fuels and russian gas labor sorry what how long have you been in power have you committed to to absolutely zero nuclear power stations and you've also <laughs> basically signed a moratorium on onshore and offshore wind like what are you talking about and you had your insulate um, policy so it's insulate homes which by the way British homes are among the worst in Europe for being energy efficient 
Mm-hmm. So we have to spend more money on our heating. So they had this, they had their like green and uh, green homes energy policy. It was a complete flop. They spent shitloads of money rolling it out and it never even worked. It never got halfway near where it needed to be. Now they're trying to do something again about it and trying to um, have a, some funds allocated to ensure homes are properly insulated in Britain. And guess who opposed it? Rushi Sunak. And guess why people like that oppose it? Because fossil fuel businesses industries are huge donors to the Tory party and the, the less we rely on gas the less money they're going to make right? it's the conflicts of interest and nuts like when I in my work I have to do so many things every year I have to do conflict of interest um like assessments and and tests to make sure that I understand the conflict of interest I think for me it's like if I were to accept something to the value of a hundred dollars or above that could be a conflict of interest a hundred dollars and mm-hmm. I am not a public servant. And these people like Owen Patterson, like, like we've seen here, or MPs just getting shed loads of money from their second job, which let's be honest, that's their first job. It's their first job. One of the perks of getting into, into an uh, MP role as a Tory MP is your perk of getting a second job, which pays quadruple, if not more, than your main job. I saw... Um... Atari MP just before the news broke, I saw Atari MP whose job pays a mean of one hundred and five thousand pounds a year, saying every month he worries about going into his overdraft, and I just I had to respond with, "Is his overdraft the name of his local?" Because what? But I think <gasps> like the the overriding thing for me is that it just feels like we're on this long and winding road. So I guess the question I always like to pose to people is. Like in an ideal world, what would you like to see happen next? And I know that's a really difficult question to answer today because of what's come out in the news, but what would be your ideal next steps? What, you're asking me? Yeah. No, short term, Boris Johnson and Sunak to resign because I think it starts setting standards or set an example in the right way that there need to be resignations for wrongdoings. And we haven't been seeing resignations for a long time. And then secondly, we need a tactical vote to get these people out. And there's going to be, by the way, I'm going to be making loads of noise about this on Twitter soon. So will lots of people, I'm sure if you like a Twitter echo chamber like me, there are many of us who are um, like big, with big followings who are going to try and push this. And we're going to be talking about it and launching it very soon. But it is basically everything you need to help you tactically vote in your constituency, to tell you who you need to vote for, to get the Tories out, to tell you why it could work, how it could work, and um, the sunlit uplands that could await us on the other side if it works. I've heard that phrase before, it scares me, but for some reason (laughs) I I trust you more than them. (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree. I I'm quite desperate to kind of get in and amongst the niche of people who are talking about this because tactical voting is something that hasn't ever really affected me because I've lived in a Labour stronghold for ever since I came to uni. Um, And I had like, so my old MP was Jo Cox um, and she was wonderful. And um, it would be, it would be like glass having to vote for someone other than Labour because of her, because like she was wonderful. but I think when it comes down to pushing tactical voting out to the masses, simplifying it and giving it to people and saying, this is what this is all you have to do. Tick that box, carry on with your day. I think giving them something as simple as that to say, we will see a change if you do this. Mm-hmm. I hope that that's enough to 
to move things in a more positive direction. So I'm keeping everything crossed and I have a great amount of faith in the people that I know are working on it. So there's a, quite a few of them I, I would like to speak to who I know are really behind the scenes working on it um, just to get their read on it. But I know that obviously it's not quite the time yet, but I, I think I think you're 100% dead on the money with, with what we have to do to, to move things forward. Yeah, I think it's I think it's genuinely our only hope. And I and I I I can't even consider you know another four years in addition to the rest of the ones we, the two that we've got left. I can't even consider an additional four years of Tory rule. This can't this country can't take any more Tory. It can't do it. Nope. And yet they just keep on coming, don't they? Quite honestly, if we did it, I could not be prouder. I could I I'm I'm dual nationality, I'm half English, I'm half Italian, but I could not be prouder to be British, to be English if we managed to do this. Because because it hasn't been it hasn't felt I haven't felt very much pride recently being Brit. So it'd be nice to feel proud again. It definitely would. And I think the thing that the reason that I still do what I do is that I have a lot of faith in the disparate people out there who just need to be reached. If we can all come together we can all speak and start singing from the same hymn sheet i feel like things will be a lot better but right now there's a million different people singing a million similar songs we all need to get together we all need to start we all need to start being one chorus and i think if that happens there's no doubt in my mind that there will be change and it will be good agreed and and someone used this example before but you know you just get on the bus that takes you closest to where you want to be like nothing at the moment like you know do I love Keir Starmer not not massively is he a step in the right direction anything away from the Tories is a step in the right direction so I will lend my vote to wherever I need to lend it to to get this Tory government out of power and that takes us one step in the right direction if we can all just look at that first step then eventually we'll make the final journey but we can't do it without that first step Thanks for listening to Politically Enraged, a podcast designed to discuss politics palatably. If you're interested in following us on social media, you can find me at Davey Moo pretty much everywhere. And you can also find us on Instagram at Politically Enraged, where you can see the blog. You can find us on Kofi in case you'd like to caffeinate me. And you can find us on Twitter at Political Rages. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, stay politically engaged and get politically enraged. Because remember, we deserve better.